All right. Good evening, everybody. I hope you are uh, ready uh, to have your Bible ready to study a little bit tonight. Welcome to Wednesday night Bible study. Uh, if you will do me a favor, if you will just take a moment and hit that share button. Uh, if you're watching by way of social media, uh, hit the share button and let's get the word out. And also, let me know that you're out there. Post in there your name, where you're, li- where you're listening from. We've got them listening in several different states. And so just let us know where you're from, and, uh, and, and that will be a truly a blessing to me. It'll help me and encourage me. So if you'll do that right now, that'll be great. And, uh, and now, let's take our Bible. Let's take our Bible and turn to Colossians chapter number 1. I want to welcome everybody tonight. All those that are watching from our, our Fairview campus, uh, all of our Fairview family out there, we love you guys and, and we're glad you're tuning in tonight. And uh, also all of our Coleman campus uh, family, I hope you're doing well, I hope you're, you're uh, getting healed up, all you that have been sick and, uh, and, and all the rest of you, I hope you're staying away from the corona and, and uh, keeping, keeping healthy that way. Uh, we do need to pray. Uh, for several that's got it and, and are struggling with it. Uh, we have several that's just, you know, has got a mild case of it, but there's some that's really, really struggling, so we need to really remember them in prayer. And, uh, but let's just get with it tonight. Uh, I usually, I usually will cover last week and, uh, by way of just a review going into it, but I got a lot to cover tonight, so I really don't want to take the time to do that. Uh, if you are here tonight for the first time for the book of Colossians, if you want to go back uh, on our website and 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 watch last week's uh, last week's lesson, uh, which was an intro to the book, we kind of did a, a a bird's eye view of the whole book, uh, just to get an overview of the whole book before we went in detail verse by verse, and uh, and it will really help you understand this this book. And so, you want to do that? That would be great. Uh, but let's just jump right in. Let's just dive right in tonight. And, uh, and we're going to read uh, probably uh, about eight verses. We'll just cover about eight verses tonight and get started, okay? Colossians chapter 1 in verse number 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, and Timotheus, our brother, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ, which are at Colossae, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God and to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love which ye have to all the saints, for the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, whereof ye heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel, which is come unto you as it is in all the world, and bringeth forth fruit as it doth also in you. Since the day ye heard of it and knew the grace of God in truth, as ye also learned of Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who was for you a faithful minister of Christ, who also declared unto us your love in the spirit. Let's just stop and pray and we'll get started here this evening. Dear Heavenly Father, we're so grateful and thankful to have an opportunity to spend a little time in your word as we study Lord, I thank you for the people that are watching and are tuning in. Lord, I thank you for their faithfulness and their steadfastness. Uh, Lord, this has been a, 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 a real difficult little deal uh, having to, to, to do it this way. 
but we thank you that we still at least have this opportunity. And I thank you for what you are teaching us, uh, the patience you are teaching us. Uh, thank you for uh, uh, just doing whatever it is that you're doing with this whole deal. Lord, I, I know on the other side of this, we're going to have a greater understanding. We're going to have a greater appreciation. And God, we're going to have a greater longing for your presence and, and your company. And Lord, I pray right now that you'll please help me. You know what I need and you know what uh, uh, the guidance and the wisdom I need to bring your word. And Lord, I pray that you'll touch everybody wherever they're at. I pray that you will make their living room. I pray that you'll make uh, the cab of their truck. Lord, I pray that you'll make wherever it is they are a little sanctuary and they can feel your presence tonight. And God will thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. All right. Let's start with verse number one. Uh, first couple, first couple of verses that we see and we find is the basic greeting. And it's almost the same greeting that Paul gives in all his letters. Uh, but he, 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 uh, most letters in that day, they would start with their name instead of ending with their name. And so here we got Paul in verse number one, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God and Timotheus, our brother, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ, which are at Colossae, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So first of all, I want you to see number one, if you're writing down these things or taking notes, write the greeting. The first thing we find in the letter in this particular chapter is the greeting, Paul's greeting uh, to this particular church. If you will remember, if you will remember, Paul had a ministry for about three years in Ephesus and from that ministry, people branched out into the surrounding areas and reached out to Colossae and started this church here. They shared the gospel that was shared to them in Ephesus. And they took that gospel and went to this city and began witnessing and winning people to Christ. And a church was formed. And so uh, the leader there, one of the leaders of that particular church, that particular congregation, uh, uh, saw some things that were going on and, and some issues that were coming up into the, in that area, uh, some false teaching, false doctrine. So he goes to Paul to get some help. He goes to Paul to find out what he needed to do about the situation. Paul is presently in prison. He is in Rome in prison. And so Paul is writing this letter uh, to the people in Colossae to encourage them and to help them. And in his letter, first, this, we see his calling. In the greeting, Paul shares with them his calling. He's sharing who he is. Paul's never seen these people. Paul has never met these people. So in the letter, he's letting them know who he is and the authority he has. Look what he says in verse number one. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. Now, now let me, let me read this. It says Paul was not simply a messenger, but an official representative. Now keep that in mind. Paul wasn't just a messenger. He wasn't just a good spiritual teacher or a good spiritual person to get advice from. He was an official representative of the one who sent him, the Lord Jesus Christ. What he writes in this letter is not simply his opinion, but it is God's authoritative word. As an apostle, Paul had the authority to rebuke, to correct, to instruct them in the things of God. Now, let me, let me, let me share this. Um, 
There are people today, there are people today all over the world that calls themselves apostles. They are not apostles. They are not in the biblical sense, uh, the true scriptural apostle. An apostle was a, an official representative that had the touch of God on them. They were, uh, they had authority to write scripture. Uh, Paul was sharing this with them, letting them know that what he is telling them is coming from God. What he is telling them is authoritative. What he, he has a right to fix it. He has a right to correct it. He has a right to let them know exactly what they should believe and how they should believe it, uh, how they should operate in the church. And so first he starts out with his calling so that they understand uh, that they need to listen to who it is that's writing this letter. Then we see not only Paul's calling, but we see Paul's companion. He shares with them, uh, he says, also from Timotheus, our brother. We find Timothy a lot with the apostle Paul. He was his protege. He was his disciple, uh, uh, his son in the faith, if you will. Uh, he was probably uh, more dearly beloved by the apostle Paul than anybody on the planet. Uh, and, and Paul used him in great ways. I, I took these verses in Philippians chapter number two to kind of help you uh, uh, understand Paul's feelings for this young man. He said in Philippians two nineteen. But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timotheus shortly unto you, that I also may be of good comfort when I know your state. For I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state. For all seek their own, not the things which are Christ. But ye know the proof of him, talking about Timothy, that as a son with the father, he has served with me in the gospel. Paul calls him like-minded. In other words, if, if I send Timothy... It'll be just like I'm there. I don't have anybody else that is a lot as like-minded with me as uh, this young man, Timothy. So he, he sends his greeting. And in the greeting, he, sh- he shares his calling. He shares his companion. But then I want you to look at his care. I want you to look at his care. Look what it says. It says in verse, verse, uh, uh, verse number two, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ. We uh, which are at Colossae, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. This is an amazing deal because Paul, Paul's never laid eyes on these people. Paul has never seen these people, but Paul has a care and a love and an affection for these people. Listen, the only way that can happen is if the same spirit that's in Paul is in them. There is something about being saved. There's something about being born again, having the spirit of God in you. I have gone to places. I have gone to places and preached revivals and in different cities and different states and, and preached at different conferences. And I've run into people that I've never met before in my life, but yet it seemed like we knew each other forever. We, there was a connection there. There was, there was something that drew us together and that was the Holy Spirit in us. And Paul is sharing his, his concern for them, his care for them, his affection for them. He is praying that God's peace would be upon them and God's grace. They would feel the favor of God and the grace of God. So we see Paul's greeting here in uh, verses number one and verses number two. Now, number two, number two, not only do we see the greeting, but I want you to look at the gratitude. I want you to look at the gratitude here. The Bible says in verse number three, we give, now we, we, that's everybody that's with Paul. 
Now, if it, specifically, we know it's Timothy here, but, but we, we, we see that there is something they're feeling when they hear this. We give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love which ye have to all the saints. For the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, whereof ye heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel. Now, first we saw the greeting. Now I want you to see the gratitude. The gratitude. Uh, two things here. Two things here. Actually, there's a bunch of things here, but we're just going to look at two different sub points and then look at several under the second sub, okay? First, I want you to see the recipient. I want you to see the recipient of the thanks, the recipient of the gratitude. Paul is not bragging on the people. Paul is not flattering the people. He is not thanking the people for their faithfulness. He's not thanking them for their love. He's not thanking them. The Bible says we give thanks unto God. Now, here's the deal. Here's the deal. The recipient of the gratitude, Paul recognizes that it is God who is owed thanks because salvation is of the Lord. Paul knows who to give thanks to. The Bible says, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, for by grace are you saved through faith and not of yourselves that it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. You know what Paul is saying? You have faith because of God. You have love because of God. You have hope because of God. All of these things are here because there's a God in heaven who has shown grace and mercy. And there is a God in heaven who has gifted you with all these things. And man, I tell you, I just want to thank God for what's going on there in Colossae. I want to thank God for what he's doing in the lives of you people. I want to thank God for his blessing and the power he's put in the gospel to change the hearts of people. Man, I'm telling you what, this is one thing I believe that many people have missed, there, that many churches have missed. Uh, listen, when, when the church begins to do good and the church begins to grow and the church begins to blossom, they begin to think this because there's a great speaker in the pulpit or there's a great music program uh, up in the choir. Oh, they've got this method and that method, this program and that program. Oh, the children's program is good doing this and, and oh, the facilities are all of this. No, 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 no. You have no idea. That has no nothing to do with it because the Bible says if the Lord doesn't build the house, they labor in vain that build it. It's not the methods. It's not the program. It's not the preacher. It's not the choir. It's not the music. It's not the talent. It's not the ability. It is the power of God. It is the word of God. It is the touch of God. It is the favor of God. And we should never throw our thumbs in our lapel and start to brag on who we are or what kind of church we are, we ought to bow down, get on our knees and say, thank you, Lord, for salvation. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing. Thank you, Lord, for your blessings. Thank you, Lord, for the growth. Thank you, Lord, for all that you do. Man, he's thanking God. Oh, we give thanks unto God for the reports we're hearing. We give thanks unto God for all of his blessings. Thank you, Lord. Man, don't, 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 don't ever start uh, feeling like you've accomplished something. Don't ever start when you feel God's blessings on you. You start accomplishing something in the ministry. You better remember where it comes from. 
Because I promise you, it can be taken away just as fast as it's given to you. God will not share his glory with anyone, anyone. So the recipient of this gratitude is the Lord. Thank God. All that we have is because of God. All that we are is because of God. Uh, this is, and you remember, I said I wasn't going to uh, do the uh, 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 do the review, but just just keep in mind, keep in mind that the part of the problem that Paul was trying to fix and deal with is they were trying to add things to Christ. In other words, you got to believe in Christ and be circumcised. You got to believe in Christ and follow. Jewish tradition and law. You, you, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta believe in Christ and, 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 and believe some of this other, uh, Gnosticism and, and, and Eastern mysticism. And you gotta have this, uh, special knowledge. Uh, no, 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 no. It's Christ and Christ alone. It's Christ minus nothing. Christ added nothing. He is enough. And Paul is, listen, he's acknowledging. He is praising. He is, he is showing his gratitude to who it justly deserves and who it justly belongs to. And he says, we thank God. We thank God. So don't, don't miss that. Don't miss that. That's very important. That's very important. Listen, we see the recipient of this gratitude. But then I want you to see the reason, the reason for this gratitude He begins to tell him what he's thankful for. The thanks goes to God. He's the recipient. You see what it says? We give thanks to God and the father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse three, verse three. But then he begins to say what he's thankful for. Since we heard of your faith in Christ, we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love which ye have to all the saints. For the hope which is laid up for you in heaven. All right, three things there. Three, three characteristics, three virtues. Some people call them graces. Uh, but three Christian virtues that he is seeing in these people and he is hearing about in these people. Uh, and he's thanking God for them. And, and it's the, it's the, it's the, it's the top three. It is the, it is the, 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 the trilogy, if you will, uh, the top virtues of the Christian life, faith, hope, and charity or charity. We, you know, the word is love. Uh, one of the, one of the most important things you'll ever see in a Christian, if they are truly a Christian, they're going to experience faith. They're going to experience hope and they're going to have love. And he said, I, 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 I am hearing about all these things. In the body of believers, this at Colossae, he said, I'm thanking God for your faith. Now let's talk about those three. All right. Let's just break them down just a little bit and, and make sure if you're watching, if you're watching tonight and you don't have these virtues, if you don't have these graces, you might want to check up. You might want to think and make sure, uh, uh, the Bible says to make your calling and election sure, make sure you know that you know that you know. All right. So. We see, first of all, let's look at faith. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 13, 13, and now abideth faith, hope, and charity. These three, but the greatest of these is charity. Now, let's look at the first one. Let's look at faith. Faith is is the Greek word pistis. It means to believe something to be true 
and trust in it. To believe something to be true and to trust in it. It involves more. Now keep, now follow me now. Stay with me. It involves more than an intellectual assent. It involves obedience and repentance. Repentance is a change of mind that produces a change of life. Repentance has three basic elements. We turn to God. We turn from evil. We have an intent to serve God. Those three things take place in in the act of repentance. Repentance is not merely feeling ashamed or sorry for sin. That's remorse. It is a redirection of the human will, a purposeful decision to forsake sin and pursue righteousness. Obedience. Now, now what, what is the evidence of this? What is, what is the, the biblical evidence that repentance is taking place? Obedience. Obedience is the hallmark of the true believer. It's been said when a man obeys God, he gives the only evidence that in his heart that he believes God. Let me say that again. When a man obeys God, he is giving the only evidence that in his heart he believes God. Now, now, here's the thing. I, I, I grew up in church. I grew up in church my whole life. It's all I've ever known. It's all I've ever known. Ever since I was a little baby, I was in church. And as I was growing up, I knew a lot about God. I knew a lot about God. And guess what? I believed it. I believed it. I believed that he was real. I believed that he made everything. I believed that he died on the cross. I believed that he rose uh, from the dead on the third day. I believe he went back to heaven and I believed he was coming again. I believed all those things. But the older I got, I realized that it's not, listen, belief is more than just saying so. Belief is more than just an ascent of a, a fact. It is putting your trust in it. Faith, faith is believing it and putting your trust in it. Now, let me kind of, let me kind of explain that. <clears throat> Here's a, here's a, just a crude illustration, but, but maybe you, you'll, you'll understand. Now I can believe, I can believe all I want that that chair is going to hold me up, but I haven't placed my faith in this chair till I put my trust in it. I'm leaning wholly on the chair. I'm, I'm, I'm leaning with everything I have and complete trust in this chair. So what happened? Belief and trust came together in this moment. What, what, how does that have to do? What does that have to do with, uh, Jesus? Well, I believed. And then the point of my repentance is when I put my trust in what he did on the cross, it moved from just believing it happened to trusting that it would cover my sin. And I want you to know faith is a wonderful thing for by grace, Are you saved through faith? The moment you put your trust in the, in the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, the moment you believe that he will do what he said he will do. Listen, it is the greatest thing ever. It is faith. And he says, man, we heard about your faith. Your faith has led you to obey. Your faith has brought repentance in your heart. Your faith has brought and has caused you to follow and to try your best to obey what God would have you do in your life. Be careful. 
Be careful about all those people that tell you they got faith and you can't find them with a C&I dog. And, and, and they don't want to go to church. They don't want to read their Bible. They have no spiritual appetite whatsoever. Be careful about those people. Be careful because I promise you this. If you experience real faith, if you experience saving faith, if you turn from your sin and turn to Christ and repent and come to him, there's going to be something inside of you that will draw you to other believers. It will draw you to want to obey God and want to serve him. Will you sin? Absolutely. Will you mess up? Absolutely. But you won't want to, and it'll break your heart when you do. Listen, faith is given and it's a gift of God. They have faith and they believe he came Listen, Epaphras came from Ephesus with the good news. He came with the gospel and he shared it with these people and they believed it. They believed the truth. They believed the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, which we're going to get into in just a minute. We're going to get into detail about what that is. So he's thanking God for their faith. He's thanking God for their faith. Now, now, don't, don't put stuff on the end of that word. He's thanking God for their faith was basically their salvation. Not, he's not thanking God for their faithfulness. He's thanking God for their faith, their, 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 their point of salvation, their, their belief in the Lord, their, their trust in him. All right. Now, what else does he, what else does he thank God for? He said, not only, not only for faith, not only for faith, but I want you to see this love. He said, I want to thank God for the love that you have. Look what he says in verse number, verse number four, verse number four. It says, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus. And by the way, by the way, let me say this. It's not in the notes, but, but you need to, you need to get this. He didn't just say, I thank God for your faith. You see, there has to be an object of your faith. There has to be an object of your faith. And the object of their faith was Christ Jesus. Don't you love it? Don't you love it when when wicked politicians, wicked politicians, I mean, that, that stand for the most wicked things imaginable. They stand and in order to get your vote, even though they, they are for wicked policies, even though they, they uh, have a pattern of wickedness in their own personal life, they would say, I'm a man of faith. Okay, what does that mean? You're a man of faith. Faith in what? What is your faith in? Your, your, your faith is only as good as the object of your faith. For instance, there are people in the world who have faith in a cow. They bow down to a cow. They worship a cow. They believe that, 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 that a cow is their God. And if, and if their faith is in that cow, there are people that bow down to statues. They bow down and burn candles in front of statues. And they believe that statue is their God. A wooden statue, a golden statue. Listen, they're placing their faith, the object of their faith. And, 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 and your faith is only as good as the object. That cow is not going to get them to heaven. That gold statue is not going to get them to heaven. That wooden statue is not going to get them. Listen, some people's faith is in their good deeds 
and their good works and their good behavior. But guess what? The Bible says our righteousness are as filthy rags in God's eyes. And if your faith is placed in your goodness and your good deeds, your good behavior, your faith has a poor object. Your faith can only be in the Lord Jesus Christ. What is the object of your faith? Don't tell me you're a man of faith. Tell me what your faith is in. What is your faith in? What are you placing? What are you trusting in getting you to heaven? Because that says what your faith is. So he said, we thank God for your faith in Christ Jesus. But then he said this, and your love, your love. Watch this now. Watch this. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love which ye have to all the saints. Do you see that? The love that they had to all the saints. How many? What, what, what saints? All the saints. Mm-hmm. The red saints, the yellow saints, the black saints, the brown saints, the white saints, all of them. Listen. What is one virtue that you're going to find in a saved child of God? It's going to be love. It's going to be love. John talked about it all the time. John talked about it in his gospel. John talked about it in his epistle, the first first letter of John. Now look what it says. In the gospel of John, it says John 13, 34. A new commandment I give unto you that ye love one another as I have loved you. That ye also love one another. Now let me back up and say this word. A new, what's that word? All right, all right, technical guys, what's that word right there? I want to hear you back there. A new what? Commandment. Say that with me. Say it with me. A new commandment. Say it in the living room. A new commandment. It doesn't say a new suggestion. It doesn't say, it doesn't say, I I think it would be good if you did this. God is saying, this is a commandment. A new commandment I give unto you that ye love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this, by this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. All you Democrats out there, you're supposed to love them Republicans. All you Republicans out there, you're supposed to love them Democrats. You're supposed to be known not by your political preference. You're not supposed to be known uh, uh, by any other thing, but by your love for the brethren. They're going to know you're a Christian by your love, not by how much you preach at them, not by how big a Bible you carry, not by how many standards you have. They're going to know you're a Christian. You're going to be known to be a Christian, to be a child of God by the love that you show, the love that you share, the love that you emanate from yourself. People know whether people love them or not. The Bible says, I command this of you. Look what he says in his, in his epistle. First John chapter three, verse 10. In this, the children of God are manifest and the children of the devil. So you one or the other, you're a child of God or you're a child of the devil. There ain't no in between. Whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God. Watch this now. Neither he that loveth not his brother. He that loveth not his brother. That's stout. First John three, verse 14. 
we know that we have passed from death unto life. How do we know that? How can we know on the inside whether we're truly born again or not? Do we love one another? Do we love people? Do we love our neighbor? Do we love the person at work? Do we love people? Is there a genuine love on the inside for other people? We know that we've passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. Watch this now. I'm just reading the Bible. I'm just reading the Bible. Don't get mad. Shut down your computer. Don't get mad. Get, get, send me no emails. I'm just reading the Bible. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer. Ye know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. Wow. First John four, verse 20. If a man say that I love God and hateth his brother, he's a liar. He's a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he has seen, how in the world is he going to love God who he hadn't seen? And this is the commandment. And this commandment have we from him that he who loveth God loveth his brother also. Loveth his brother also. So what is he saying? There's a characteristic in the, in the church at Colossae. They're hearing and they're learning about how they, how they are behaving, how they're treating each other. And one of the virtues that they've seen is their great faith. He said, we're thanking God for your faith. He said, but we're also thanking God for your love. We're thanking God for your love. It is a characteristic of a saved child of God. It is a virtue of a born again person. That they love people. There is a love that God puts in. Does that mean we're never going to have problems with each other? No, 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 no. That's not what that means. But the love of God in you will compel you to make things right with your neighbor. You won't be able to hold grudges. You won't be able to uh, go an extended period of time uh, constantly in an unforgiven state and with a grudge against somebody. You'll have a love in your heart. If you, can, if you can hate somebody, something's wrong. He said, we, we thank God for the love that you have. Not only their faith, not only their love, but I like this one. He said, also your hope. You got hope. I thank God for the hope that you have. Verse number five, that's in verse five. He says, for the hope which is laid up for you in heaven... Laid up means on reserve. In other words, it's, it's yours. Nobody can get it. It's yours. The hope which is laid up for you in heaven, whereof ye heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel. I don't think there's anything more important to a Christian when he's going through trials and difficulties than that word hope. Listen, the Bible says this in 1 Peter 1, 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope. It's living. It's, it's, it's a real hope. It's an alive hope. By the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. What is he saying? Now, you got to understand when, when Peter's writing this letter, he's, he's writing this letter to people that are, are fixing to go through great trial and tribulation. 
They're fixing to go through a fiery trial in a difficult time. And he's saying, listen, I want you to know that you have a hope. You have a hope. No matter what you see in your future, you have a hope. No matter what's coming your way, you have a hope. No matter what is taken from you. Why would he tell him you've got something that's reserved that fadeth not away that's secure up in heaven because many of them are going to lose everything they have. They're going to lose their possessions. They're going to lose much of their lifestyle because they're fixing to go through a fiery trial, a difficult time of torture and persecution. And he said, but don't worry, don't fret because you have a hope that one day there is laid up for you a, an inheritance from God. God has got a blessing for you. God has got an inheritance for you that nobody can take it. Nobody can remove it. Nobody can steal it. It is laid up in heaven for you. And you have that hope that this world is not your home. Man, what, 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 what better, what better truth do we need to, do do we need to see today than the truth of our hope in him? He didn't just leave us down here to fend for ourselves. He gave us a hope. He gave us a hope, a blessed hope, an eternal hope, a lively hope that there is something better than what we see. Now, watch this here. It's even even bigger than that. It's even bigger than that. Look what he says in Hebrews. Look what he says in Hebrews. In Hebrews chapter number 6, in Hebrews chapter number 6, verse 18, it says that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie. It was impossible for God to lie. We might have a strong consolation. Consolation means comfort. In other words, there's something very, very powerful that will comfort us in our difficulty. It says a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope. Look at there. Look what's going to be consoling us, comforting us. The hope that is set before us. Watch this now. This is the good part. Verse 19. Which hope? I hope you're reading with me at home. I hope you're reading with me at home. Which hope we have as an anchor of the soul. As an anchor of the soul. Now watch this. Both sure and steadfast and which entereth into that within the veil. Now what does that mean? That means hope is an anchor that's tied to the throne that to go in the veil meant to go into the very presence of God. And there is something there is a, everybody knows what an anchor is. If you've ever been in a boat before, you know, an anchor is tied. It's tied and it, and it hooks into something solid. And our hope is tied straight directly to the throne of God. Listen, this world is not our home. And, 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 and my hope is not in Washington. My hope is not in an insurrection. My hope is not in the Republicans. My hope is not in the Democrats. My hope is in Jesus Christ. My hope is found in the throne room of God. My hope is found in the power of God, in the the knowledge of God in the word of God. My hope is in what he's told me. He said he will supply all my need according to his riches and glory. He said he would never leave me nor forsake me. He would stick with me closer than any brother. Somebody say amen right where you are. He will comfort me in my distress. He will give me safety in my difficulty. I have hope tonight. 
And when you turn off your radio, turn off your TV, turn off your notes, or excuse me, turn off the news and open your Bible and find out why you have hope tonight. Man, the news is depressing. It's discouraging. You can look at numbers. Man, I've been looking at numbers and all this kind of stuff here lately. Uh, we, we, we can't wait. Just, 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 just a little bit. Just so I, we're, we're fixing to be able to get back in here. And, and man, my hope is in that. But no matter what happens, no matter what happens, my hope is in the one we're talking about tonight, the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to stand before you right now, tell you that I thank God for my hope. Thank God for my hope. Thank God that it doesn't come from politics or politicians. It doesn't come from bank accounts. It doesn't come from success. It doesn't come from any source that's here on this earth. It comes from God. It is an anchor. It is something that we can hold on to and know that everything's going to be all right. There's probably nothing more important to a ship captain when he's in the midst of a storm than to know that he's anchored in the rock. So, Paul's saying, I thank you, Lord. I thank God for their faith. I thank God. He's telling in this letter to the saints at Colossae, I thank God for your faith. I thank God for your love for your brethren. And man, I thank God for the hope that you have and you're exhibiting and showing. And by the way, hope is contagious. Hope is contagious. And negative, negative thoughts and negative words is contagious too. If you, if you have people that's always negative around you, hey, you need to get shed of them. Find somebody that's got hope. Find somebody that's positive. Find somebody that will read the Bible and believe the Bible and trust what God said in the Bible that has hope. All right. Now, now time is flying. So we got to hurry. We got to hurry. All right. So here, here's what we're going to do. Uh, we see the greeting and then we saw, and then we saw <clears throat> the gratitude. Do you see why he's thankful? Do you see why? The, now, now, now keep in mind too, that the apostle Paul is in prison. The apostle Paul is in prison when he's writing all this. I mean, a, a rotten stinking, uh, I excuse the expression, but it was a hell hole. I mean, it was, it was awful, but yet he's saying, I thank God. And he show an expression of gratitude. This is the apostle Paul. We see not only the gratitude, but number three, <clears throat> number three, I want you to see the gospel, the gospel. What a, what an important, what an important topic. The gospel is why we have hope. The gospel is the most important thing. Listen, this Bible is the gospel. This, this word that we have, this truth that we have. Paul defines the gospel in 1 Corinthians 15. But let me, let me, get, let me, let me share with you where he gets it in Colossians 1. He says, he says, we give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. Since we heard of your faith, your love, your hope, which is laid up for you in heaven. Now watch where they got that hope and that faith and that love. Watch this. Whereof, excuse me, whereof ye heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel. The gospel. Let me tell you what this world needs. Let me tell you what this country needs. It's the gospel. 
I'm afraid so many churches are getting so caught up and so wrapped up in so many things that are secondary when it should be the gospel. Getting the gospel to those. Listen, magnifying the gospel, sharing the gospel. Here's, here's the deal. What is the gospel? What is the gospel? 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4. Let's read it. 1 Corinthians 1 through 4. Or excuse me, 1 Corinthians 15, chapter 15, verses 1 through 4. If we was with my, if we was with my Hispanic family, we would say, Capitulo, uh, uh, oh my goodness, my mind just went totally blank. Here I was going to be funny and say 15, and I done forgot. Capitulo is chapter, versiculo is verse. So it's versiculo uno, all right? Versiculo uno. Once, doce, trece, catorce, quince, quince, there it is, quince, capitulo, quince. Uh, and I know, I know right now, I know right now Cesar is probably just laughing his head off at me right now while he's watching, but that's okay, that's okay, I'm learning, I'm learning, okay? All right, look here, it says, moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel, I declare unto you the gospel, which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved. It was the gospel that was brought you salvation. If you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain, for I delivered, now watch, he's fixing to define it. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried. <clears throat> and that he rose, <clears throat> excuse me, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. So what is the gospel? In a nutshell, in a nutshell, just as plain as we can make it, the gospel is the good news that Jesus Christ died to provide complete forgiveness of sins and rose again that those who might believe or who would believe might live forever. That's the gospel. That's the good news. That's the, listen, the blessing. Let me read it again. The gospel is the good news that Jesus Christ died to provide complete forgiveness of sins and rose again that those who believe might live forever. That is the gospel, the good news. Uh, listen, Paul said this, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of that truth. I'm not ashamed of that reality for it is the power of God unto salvation. The gospel is the power of God. It's not a clever sermon. It's not a clever outline. It's not a, it's not a, a, a an emotional story that you tell it. We, there's too many people that's dependent on all kind of other sources to try to get a confession out of somebody or to try to get a, a decision out of somebody. If it's not the gospel getting it done, it's not going to get done. The power is in the gospel. And there are four things. There are four things, quick things, uh, Real quick things. We'll just share them real quickly. And, uh, and, and about the gospel that I want you to get that we see right here in these verses. Okay. First, I want you to see the requirement of the gospel. I want you to see the requirement of the gospel. Look what it says. <clears throat> it says in verse number five, verse number five, for the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, whereof ye, what's that word people? Whereof ye heard. 
All right. I hope you're saying that at home. Whereof ye heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel. So what is the requirement of the gospel? You got to hear the gospel. You got to hear the gospel. You know what the Bible says? Romans chapter number 10, verse 17 says, so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word. Now, listen, hearing by the word of God, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. How is a person going to get saved? How are people across the world going to get saved? It's going to be by hearing the gospel. They got to hear the gospel. Look what it says. Romans 10, 13. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they've not believed? And how shall they believe in him in whom they've not heard? How shall they hear without a preacher, a proclaimer, someone to share it with them? Listen, the Bible says in in Mark chapter number 16, in verse number 15, And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying the gospel is wonderful. I'm saying the gospel is awesome. The gospel is great and it's awesome and it's mighty and it's powerful and it's wonderful. But it can't work unless they hear it. If we don't share the gospel, ladies and gentlemen, If you call yourself a Christian, are you taking the gospel to work with you? Are you taking the gospel home with you? Are you taking the gospel to school with you? Are you sharing the good news that everybody can be forgiven? Everybody can go to heaven. Everybody can have their sins washed white as snow. Are you sharing the good news that nobody has to go to hell? Listen, the requirement of the gospel is they got to hear it. They got to hear it and they're not going to hear it unless we tell them. They're not going to hear it unless we share the gospel. Listen, please help us get the gospel out. Help us get the gospel out. Oh, but we can't even go to church. No, no, no. That's not, it doesn't work that way. That's not, that's not how this works. That's not how this works. Listen, Epaphras heard the gospel in Ephesus, believed the gospel, and then took the gospel to his friends took the gospel to his neighbors, took the gospel to his family, and they believed because there's power in the gospel. There is power in the gospel. The only problem is nobody's telling it. Nobody's sharing it. You don't have to have have an open auditorium. We should take the gospel with us to Cracker Barrel. We should take the gospel with us to the gas station. We should take the gospel with us to Walmart. It says, preach the gospel to every creature. That's the requirement of the gospel. They got to hear it. And thank God the people at Colossae, they heard. They heard the gospel. And by hearing the gospel, they believe. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Look here. Not only do we see. Not only do we see the requirement for the gospel, but we see the reach of the gospel. We see the reach of the gospel. Look what he says in verse 6. Look what he says in verse 6. Which is come unto you. Talking about the gospel. Talking about the gospel. At the end of verse 5 is the truth of the gospel. Which is come unto you as it is in all the world. As in all the world. 
You know what's great about the gospel? It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you're from. It doesn't matter what your background is. It doesn't matter what color your skin is. It doesn't matter what your political affiliation is. It doesn't matter what your nationality is. It doesn't matter what side of the tracks you were born on. The gospel is for every creature. The gospel will work for white folks. The gospel will work for brown folks. The gospel will work for poor folks. The gospel will work for rich folks. The gospel will work for anybody. It's to all men. The Bible says, the Bible says in Titus 2.11, for the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. First Timothy chapter two, verse number three, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our savior, who will have all men say that with me, who will have all men to be saved and come unto the knowledge of the truth. Oh, what a blessing that is. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He said, preach the gospel to every creature. Take the gospel to all men. Take the gospel to all nations. Go everywhere. You know what's so cool about? Listen, this, this gospel is not cultural. Uh, this gospel, uh, it, it doesn't have any tradition. This gospel will work in Africa. This gospel will work in Germany. This gospel will work in China. This gospel will work in Holly Pond. This gospel will work in Hansville. This gospel will work at West Point. It'll work at Walmart. It'll work in the marketplace. It'll work in the schoolhouse. It'll work in the prison house. It'll work in the state house. And hopefully it'll work in the White House. Say amen. That was a joke. It will work in the White House. It doesn't matter. I hope it gets to the White House. Our country needs it in a desperate way. But thank God for the gospel. It'll work wherever you take it. There is power in the gospel. The grace of God that bringeth salvation, watch this, hath appeared to all men. That's the reach of the gospel. But then I want you to see this, the reality, the reality of the gospel. The reality of the gospel. What's the reality of the gospel? It's all about grace. It's It's all about grace. Watch this here. Watch this here. The Bible says... The Bible says in verse number five, it says, where have you heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel, which is come unto you as it is in all the world. There's the reach of the gospel and bringeth forth fruit as it doth also in you since the day you heard of it and knew the grace of God in truth, the grace of God in truth. Preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying this, it's all grace. It's all God. It's all his mercy. Grace is the very heart of the gospel. It is God freely giving us the forgiveness of sin and eternal life, which we do not deserve and cannot earn. It's the grace of God. Titus chapter three. This is a great verse here. Titus chapter three and verse four through six. It says, but after that, the kindness and love of God, our savior toward man appeared. Not watch this now. Here it is. Here it is. Please get this. All you people think you can work your way to heaven. All you people is believing in a works based salvation. All you people think you're going to do good deeds and God's going to measure your good versus your bad. When you get to heaven, watch this. 
not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Preacher, what are you saying? I'm not getting in because I'm a good person. I'm not getting in because I did good deeds. I'm getting in only because of the grace, the unmerited, undeserving, unearned favor and mercy of God. The reality of the gospel is this. It's all grace. It's all grace. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9 says, For by grace... For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Why am I able to get saved? Because of grace. How do I get saved? By faith. Who does the saving? God. But the only reason that I'm, I'm, I even have the opportunity for salvation is because of God's grace. His unmerited, unearned, undeserved divine favor. Thank God for his grace. Grace. All right, lastly, lastly, we saw the we saw the the requirement of the gospel. We gotta hear the reach of the gospel to all the world. The reality of the gospel, it's his grace. The center point, the very heart of the gospel is the grace of God. Then I want you to see the results of the gospel. The results of the gospel. Whoa, we're almost out of time. I, I'm, I'm going to get done. Watch what it says. What is the results of the gospel? Watch, watch what happened when, when the gospel came to these people. Verse number six. Which is come unto you as it is in all the world. Watch this now. And bringeth forth fruit. And bringeth forth fruit. As it doth also in you. Since the day ye heard of it and knew the grace of God in truth. Oh, what a blessing. Preacher, what happens when the gospel is believed and trusted in? You'll bear fruit. You'll bear fruit. What is an evidence? What is an evidence of salvation? Fruit. Matthew said it this way. Matthew 13, 23. But he that receives seed into the good ground is he that heareth the word and understandeth it, which also beareth fruit and bringeth forth some a hundredfold, some 60 and some 30. Preacher, what do you mean? I'm saying this. If there's no fruit in your life, you might want to check up. There's no change in your life. You might want to check up. If you don't see God bringing forth fruit in your life, blessings in your life, if you don't start becoming more like his son, Jesus, you might want to check up. You see, the gospel produces fruit both internal and external. The gospel produces fruit both in the internal transformation of individuals, but also in the external growth of the church as a whole. They're completely connected. They're interrelated. The spiritual growth of individuals will lead to new converts being one to Christ. You see that? When a person is growing, 
it's an automatic, it's an automatic thing that's going to happen. They're going to share their faith. They're going to share the gospel. When a person begins to grow, listen, this will lead to new converts being one to Christ. And this was the exact pattern of the early church. This was the exact pattern. Watch this. Acts 9.31. Watch this. Then had the churches rest throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria and were edified. That means build up. means mature, develop. In other words, they were growing. Internally, spiritually, they were growing. They were edified and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Ghost were multiplied. Do you see that? When they were edified, then they were multiplied. You mean to tell you why many churches, many churches are dying? Because they're not being edified. They're not growing. Preacher, I go to church every week and I've been going to church for years. Is there any fruit? When's the last time you shared your faith with somebody? Have you shared the gospel with somebody lately? If you're growing on the inside, there'll be growth on the outside. If a church is developing and growing and their people are maturing and developing, it's a natural response to go out and share what you're getting and people will be one to Christ. People will be one to Christ. A church cannot grow externally unless it's growing internally. Listen, that's, that's the progress and the pattern of the New Testament church. So tonight... We're out of time, but we saw the greeting, we saw the gratitude, and we got to share a little bit about the gospel. I hope you enjoyed it tonight. Next week, we're going we're gonna to jump into the prayer that Paul prays for these new, these new believers, and, and, and man, it's really important because he starts talking about the will of God, knowing the will of God, and, and, them, and them having an understanding of the will of God so they can be fruitful in their life, okay? So we love you guys. Hey, we're looking very, very soon. Very, very soon. We're going to get back in here. Uh, 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 we're trying to work on some things right now. And, uh, and as soon as we get these details worked out, we're going to, we're going to make an announcement this uh, Sunday. This coming Sunday, we're going to make an announcement. We're going to try to let you guys know something this coming Sunday, okay? So be praying. Pray for us. Uh, pray for wisdom. Pray for guidance. And uh, we'll see you Sunday. Hey, hey, tell somebody. If you got help last Sunday with a forgiveness message, tell somebody we're going to keep on that train this coming Sunday. Be with us this Sunday. We're going to talk about forgiveness and forgiving all again. God's going to help us, so y'all be with us. We'll see you in a little while.